And welcome to episode 111 of McChesney Unchained here at DNBR. Make sure you uh, go down to the bar studio off of Colfax down at DNBR and support all your local teams and whatnot. I'm sure it was packed on Saturday for the Nuggets huge win over the Clippers. That was pretty awesome. Go down, watch the Nuggets, the Clippers, or the Nuggets, the Avalanche, and so much more, including this weekend's huge fight. On Saturday night, there's a massive boxing match. Uh, and it, it's going to be all glued all over the TVs down at DNBR. And, and you know that DraftKings is the number one sports book in America, the DraftKings app, and uh, in, in trying to, to make some money on your knowledge as a sports better. Uh, I, I'm constantly on DraftKings, betting on NBA and NFL and whatnot. I'm always taking the Jokic triple-double, and it's been it's been crappy for a couple of times. But I, I'm, I'm thinking that the Lakers and, and the Nuggets might change that up this evening. Uh, but, you know, the, the boxing match this weekend, uh, there's no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sportsbook app. And this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering an all-new user the shot at turning $1, that's $1, into $55. And all you have to do is, is pick the right fighter. Um, to celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering 55-1 to 1 odds. Uh, that's $1 bet on a $55 winner. So make sure you check that out. With basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has so many ways for you to go out and and, uh, and test your knowledge and put your money where your mouth is. Remember that if you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, nap, app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up, uh, for a limited time only, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them a chance to win $55 by placing a $1 bet this weekend. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And we roll here on episode 111 of McChesney Unchained. Brought to you by our good friends at DraftKings. Uh, at DraftKings, obviously. Remember, go down to DNVR and check out everything they do down there off of Colfax at the bar and studio. So, uh, everybody remember on May 14th, 15th, and 16th, we have our huge showcase football camp. So, any of you parents out there or young guys out there looking for opportunity, we're going to have a bunch of college coaches uh, at the event, a bunch of scouts. It's going to be filmed. It's a three-day event here. Showcase football is coming in from Arizona. My man, Keith Miller, he'll be on Friday's show as we break down the camp and how to sign up and whatnot. Registration is open. It's all over the social media feed at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you have any questions, just reach out to me uh, and we'll get you signed up. But that's going to be a huge opportunity. It's at showcaseball.com. Check it out uh, and get registered for the camp. We're trying to shine a light on the state of Colorado. Uh, so it's not viewed as hobby town anymore. So 111 rolls here, and uh, we go straight into the Nuggets. Um, that's 10 straight for the Nugs after losing uh, at Golden State and, you know, losing J uh, Jamal Murray, which sucked. Um, but it's really forced other guys to step up and, and you know, Capazzo and, and the the bench play and I love Green off the bench. He's been awesome. And old man Millsap, they're calling him Uncle Millsap on altitude and shit. I love it. Um, Uncle Millsap has been incredible off the bench. Um, and this team is deep and it's built correctly. And it's not you know go out and every superstar just to you know come over here and bitch and complain your way into an, a roster spot. 
now this team is is built the right way and Malone's got them playing their asses off and that win in in Clipperland the other day uh, was huge even with Kawhi coming back and a little rusty on whatever fucking excuse you want to throw out there LA teams keep throwing them I'm sure we'll hear a lot more after the Nuggets whip the Lakers ass tonight to make it 11 in a row um I, I think that Denver is putting themselves in position right now to overcome all these obstacles and, and be really, really, really dangerous in the NBA playoffs. And anybody who thinks they can't climb that mountain, look, yeah, losing Jamal Murray is terrible, but having Michael Porter Jr. playing the way he is and him coming out of his shell and, and being that true number two option makes Denver really, really dangerous because MPJ is a generational talent from a size perspective and explosion explosion off the floor multiple tools i mean he's young he, he dropped to 15 in the draft because of a back problem that doesn't seem to be you know bothering him at all and he plays with the most unselfish big man in nba history uh that is running the the point five so <laughs> that's pretty cool um Jokic is the bona fide mvp of this team obviously but i think he's the mvp of the league hands down yes chris paul has had an awesome year for phoenix and and they're they're good i'd love to see phoenix get the one seed and have to play like golden state uh who, who will probably get the eight if all the play-in stuff happens the way i think it could i don't fucking know i think that whole situation is cool i like extra games but if you're sitting at seven eight nine and ten man that seven and eight that sucks bro that used to mean something now it don't mean shit now it means you get to play an extra game so if golden state somehow gets that eight seed i'd love to see phoenix have to deal with a red hot golden state team with steph curry scoring 38 a night and shit um so we'll see how that goes so cp3 has been awesome this year and yes he deserves some some at least talk uh you know that I don't think it's really much of a of a, a competition anymore. Honestly, I think Jokic is the MVP. He's got, you know, doubled the triple doubles to to Embiid, and he's just I don't know. He's he's a humble Russian beast, man, and I love it. So he's uh he's taken this team to a, another level, in my opinion, even better than they were last year in the bubble with Murray. So sometimes, you know, look at the Browns this year. They lose OBJ. And they become more explosive. I'm not saying that we don't need Jamal Murray. We need that man. He's a max player for a reason. But the ability to develop the rest of your team behind him and show how deep and versatile this roster is, the rest of the West has got to be like wetting their jockeys a little bit right now, man. That The Nuggets are not fucking around. And it's pretty awesome to see. Because I, I grew up here in Denver when the Nuggets were dog shit. So it's since Carm, I mean, Carmelo's teams were good, but you know, the Thuggets, uh, as, as I used to call them back in the day, they, they weren't about winning basketball games, man. They were about going down and, and, you know, partying and shit. And that, that's what it was, but they, they were good because they were talented. This team is good because they're deep and they're, they play defense kind of, they're getting better and they move the basketball and there's, I mean, the best player is the most unselfish player rather than those old nugget teams where Carmelo and AI and Kenyon, I don't know if you could find more selfish basketball players. So I'm just really excited about the future and I, I can't wait to watch them whip the Lakers ass tonight. I know the Lakers are going to come out fired up trying to prove something on national TV. LeBron's back in the swing. AD's back in the swing. Although I will say this, I don't know who dunked on Antonio uh, Davis the other day. Uh, excuse me. I don't know who dunked on AD the other day the way he did, but like busted his nose up. But that shit was awesome. I can't remember the player's name. I'll take it. 
Um, anytime the Lakers can look bad, I'm in. And I'd love to see them have to play in the fucking playing game. <laughs> that would be awesome. So let's help them play in the playing game tonight, Denver, and uh, go for 11 straight. Uh, I think that the Nuggets have a really, really good opportunity to make that happen. Uh, so, you know, get on DraftKings and, and make sure you check out the lines on the Nuggets and the Lakers tonight. I took Jokic uh, on the plus, I think it's plus 275. I think I put 100 bucks on him getting a triple-double tonight. It's been a while since he's gotten one. So I think he'll be up to play the Lakers, and there'll be a lot of missed shots and a lot of opportunities. So just uh, – if he throws you the ball, make the shot for the big guy. That would be awesome. All right, so that's your nugget talk here. I'm McChesney Unchained, episode 111 as we roll. Uh, and it's brought to you by our good friends at Maven Hemp, my neighbor down here at Six Zero Football Academy. Uh, they, they bring you our nugget talk. And I take the, the CBD products that they have at Maven every day for my recovery after my workouts. Yesterday, when I got done doing my Sunday grind, I, I used the muscle rub and the pills, and it, it felt I felt good the rest of the day and slept like a baby. So it's relieved a lot of the anxiety issues and a lot of the soreness issues. Uh, if you go on mavenhemp.com and check out the website uh, for the incredible CBD products, you use the promo code 60, they'll give you a 10% discount on every purchase. Uh, it, it's helped me a ton with recovery. Uh, and it, it, they just happen to be my neighbor, my neighbor down here at 60, and uh, they do a great job. So make sure you check them out. Very uh, big thanks to Maven and all they do for the Dungeon family down here at Six Zero Football Academy. So today here on episode 111 of McChesney Unchanged, we're going to have uh, the great Cecil Lammy on uh, from 103.43 The Fan. He's also uh, uh, one of the writers, or the digital talents at DenverFan.com and a senior writer for football guy, TheFootballGuys.com. Uh, and he's a draft guru. He did a great job this weekend breaking all that down. Cecil's also a metalhead, just like your boy. So we'll talk a little about a little bit about the Mount Rushmore of uh, of uh, metal as when he jumps on here. But we're, I'm going to jump into the NFL draft now, and he'll join us when he gets here on Zoom. Uh, but you know, it, it's I'm very eager to hear his opinion on some of these players. I, I think we disagree on some of the picks, but overall. Uh, I'd, I'd love to get his opinion on Fields and Sertain. I thought that they would take Pat, and he did. Uh, I love the guard from Wisconsin Whitewater in the third round. That guy's a nasty bastard, just just fits in perfectly with what they're trying to do there. You know, it was at the end of, of Glasgow it, with the with the uh, the Broncos. As Austin Slotman has so much starting experience behind him and a big pay and a big paycheck on 61's docket. So we'll talk about all that as we go. But let's let's wrap up the NFL draft here. Um, and talk about some of the stories. Look, quarterbacks went one, two, three, as we thought they would. Trey Lance goes to the Niners. I, I, as a Jet fan as a, and a former Jet, I despise the pick by the Jets at number two. I Yes, the kid can play. I think you're trading a guy in Sam Darnold who had an awful team in an awful situation and has played four years, got his ass kicked, and is extremely talented to Carolina to draft another guy that's just like Sam Donald, like it's Sam Donald 2.0. He's just the, like the Mormon version or some shit. And Sam has gone through the rigors of the NFL. And now he's in a pretty good position down there in Carolina. And I think he's going to do really well. Uh, I think he's the talent isn't the problem. It's health and, you know, competition level and the, you know, the division being really good and the jets being really shitty. Uh, so the, you know, they, I like what they did with the rest of their picks. I just hate their first one. Uh, the, the first pick of the draft, Trevor Lawrence, is a generational talent. We'll see how he does in 
in, in Florida and Jacksonville down there with, with Urban Meyer, who's obviously revered and loved in North Florida. So we'll see how all that goes. But look, when, when they took Kyle Pitts at four, that's Atlanta saying, look, Matt Ryan, here's another weapon, even though we can't play defense. I, I mean, I understand the pick. He's a generational talent as well, but he could be in a situation down there in Atlanta where he has no idea who's throwing him the ball over the next three years. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pitts underachieves a little bit if Matt Ryan's not there for a long term, as they don't have a quarterback past Matty Ice, but he'll definitely get him to rock a lot uh, as a rookie in his second year. Um, the fifth pick in the draft, and as we roll through, you know, some of this with the receivers going from Alabama and Penny Sewell going and, you know, it, it lines up perfectly for Denver to take Justin Fields at nine. And I'm I don't I don't care that they drafted Sertan. I like Sertan. I think he's a hell of a, a football player. His daddy was a great pro, multiple time pro bowler. It's a it's a great pick, in my opinion. It's I thought they would do it three months ago, and they ended up doing it. And we talked about it last week on 110, and they ended up doing it. I talked about it all over the radio last week on all the guest appearances, and they ended up doing it. So I understand that everybody's butthurt because they didn't draft Justin Fields, but look, man, there's going to be more quarterbacks next year. They went and got Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke is still a young talent uh, that needs to figure his shit out, and there, there's a possibility – there's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers could be a Bronco down the road. And all I keep hearing is that they have the, not only the roster, which I agree, they have the roster to, to, uh, to bring him in and, and kick ass, but they have the picks and the collateral to go get him as well. So again, if fields isn't the pick that that happens, I mean, quarterbacks get overlooked all the time, but I under, I understand why Broncos country is so upset but don't turn it at Sertan because that kid is a straight baller. All right, so it's my pleasure on episode 111 of McChesney Unchained here at DNPR to bring in my man Cecil Lammy. Cecil is a digital talent over at DenverFan.com. He's a senior writer for TheFootballGuys.com. He's the draft guru down there at The Fan. And not only that, he's a huge metalhead, which makes me happy because that's what I am. Uh, yes. So Cecil Lammy, my man, welcome to the show. So glad to have you on here. You were spitting straight fire this morning on the fan. I had to reach out and get you on. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to uh, this draft breakdown. And, and let's talk a little metal, brother. What's happening? Yeah, then thank you, man. First and foremost, if we can talk Bay Area thrash metal and we can talk <laughs> football, then I'm all in, man. I jump all in. And uh, I, always, uh, I always love when the metal heads reach out to me and they say i love listening to you on the fan because i know that there'll be good music played i'm like yeah testament has been my bumper uh, it's the henchman ride that's been my bumper intro song since that album came out so for like 10 years plus and obviously testament's been around since the 80s but like yeah man uh it's uh it's my passion metal and football so let's metal do and it. football that's why we get along so well brother i was listening yes. all weekend and i was as i was around the gym we were working and and I was listening all day Friday and Saturday, and every single bump out, I'm like, yep, Evans didn't pick this shit. No way. Columbus didn't pick this either. <laughs> I was like, that's straight Cecil right there. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. And let's get right into this. Before we brought you on here, I was kind of, you know, just kind of massaging the Unchained Nation here on what we were going to talk about. And I brought up, you know, the picks all the way to Fields. And Fields is sitting there at nine for the Broncos to take, and there's a lot of speculation they were going to. And the Broncos do what 
the first mock draft said from way back in the day, they take Patrick Sertan, the second, who's a great player, and Broncos country loses their fucking minds. So right. um, give me your opinion all this on all this, even with the narrative of Aaron Rodgers sitting behind it. You can obviously bring that into it because it's a huge part. Yeah, and it has to be brought into it. And I really feel bad for Pat Sertan because hardly anyone's talking about him. Yeah, 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 he's a great pick, but why not Justin Fields and the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, which I think the Broncos are still a part of after June 1st when it becomes more salary cap friendly for the Packers to get rid of him. And once they come to the realization like, oh, this isn't going to happen, I think Denver will be in that mix. So we can put a pin in that conversation, but it had to be there. And it, it had to be something on the minds of the Denver Broncos. And you know, for me personally, as great as Sertan is, I think that need at quarterback is there. So I'm looking at Justin Fields as kind of a more polished version of Dak Prescott. That's what he was to me in the pre-draft process. I never believed uh, the stuff that was floated out there about him being lazy, essentially. Why? Because I talked to his coaches. Because I talked to scouts, because I talked to people around him. Like, you know that the kid is a hard worker. He's dedicated. Now, you know, could his processor be a little bit faster? Sure. Can you actually speed up your processor in the NFL? I don't think so. Uh, but I know that he went through his progressions more than any other quarterback in this draft class. He went one, two, three, more than even Trevor Lawrence, you know, because people accused him of uh, one read and run. No, that's Trey Lance. Uh, Justin Fields was not that guy. And as a passer showing that, pass placement, accuracy, uh, deft touch, in my opinion, and the ability to run. He's a mobile quarterback. So for me, you know, I was shocked they didn't make that move. But at the end of the day, if they don't love a guy, don't take him and then force it. You got to love your quarterback. And for George Payton, this is actually the hard decision for him to do. You know, so for me, um, it was shocking. Sertan's a great player, uh, but Fields was the quarterback, I thought, you might try to build around my man Cecil Lammy joins me here on episode 111 of McChesney on chain talk about the NFL draft and more specifically the Broncos obviously you can hear Cecil on 104.3 the fan all the time look Sertan is a hell of a player I guess my question is since free agency started they've got seven transactions with DBs eight now I think they drafted one late as well yes Kerry and they've got like eight guys in the room as well so they're going to have 16 deep. So I, I understand special teams has been a problem. I know special right. teams has been a problem in Denver forever. I know what they're doing. I get it. They want guys that can tackle on tape, that can tackle on special teams. I get it. They're tired of watching running backs and receivers miss tackles and screw up special teams plays. But there's only so many roster spots. So, right. I mean, who's the odd man out here? Are you telling me that we're going to be playing dime all the time? And who's that, who's that box player that's playing next to Johnson if we're not replacing him with a linebacker? Right. And I look at the situation with, let's say, last year's third round pick, Michael Ojemudia. It's like, well, you're on the outside looking in. Clearly, this team Peace. has designs <laughs> to either trade him, you know, and, and we've seen that before with the Broncos trading some of their secondary pieces or their some people say move to safety. I thought it was a year premature. But as you mentioned, like they've cornered the market on cornerbacks. It's like yes. uh, you're done. You're fine. And now anybody, if there's any sort of injury in training camp, everybody's going to be calling Denver uh, because they've got them all. George Payton, you dropped something. Oh, it's a corner. It just fell out of his pocket. So, you know, I, I think if you look at a guy like Oshimudia, he would be on the outside looking in. I, I think, you know, Bryce Callahan's going to play about 10 games. 
you know, so you have to have that depth ready. Obviously, a couple of these guys are going to be thrown up on a practice squad, try to get like Kerry Vincent Jr., the kid they got from LSU. He is kind of a Callahan replacement. I don't I don't project him as a starter in the NFL, but he could shock me because he's a slot corner. He's a slot corner only in what he does. Uh, so if I look at that, I go, huh? All right. Um, the new guys are going to play. I think Sertan can start from day one. And maybe, and, and maybe some people say this make George Payton look bad, but Ronald Darby might actually not start if Sertan beats him out. I expect, uh, of course, Kyle Fuller will start. He's on a one-year deal. Um, Bryce Callahan will start. He's the best slot corner in the league when he's healthy for about 10 games. And then that's it. So, yeah, it's going to cramp the room. It's definitely going to bring a lot of competition to the room. And then, you know, I anticipate the Broncos might trade one of those guys away to uh, a team that is in need of a corner. Now, when they signed uh, Kareem Jackson back, I, I'm of the mindset that you need to keep Kareem Jackson here forever. I love Kareem Jackson. I love the way he plays. He's he's a prick. He's a hitter. He's effort-based. He can play right. multiple positions. I love Kareem Jackson. He's a leader. And then they go out and they draft Jamar Johnson from Indiana. The kid from Texas is an athlete. I like him. Yeah. I, I don't like Texas players. I think they're fucking soft. The kid, <laughs> this Jamar Johnson kid, though, Cecil, this kid from Indiana is number one. He's got he's got character issues, but I, I <laughs> uh, bro, character issues in the NFL are few and far between. So yeah, I I like the edge. I like the fact that he's such a competitor and such a hitter, and he he reminds me of a, like a, a junior Kareem. So are they putting him in position? I, that kid right there is the one in the draft where I'm like, that some bitch right there is going to be a starter in this league one day, and I love the pick. Yeah, and they got the Texas kid before him, which, uh, I mean, I, tr- I try to tell the truth and, and be positive, obviously, with all these picks that I talk about. But during the draft, when that goes down, they're like, I got Caden Stearns. I was like, huh, why? Uh, and Jamar Johnson's staring you right at the face. And then they get him like 10, 12 picks later, whatever the number is. I was like, this is amazing. This is incredible because you get that ball hawking ability wrapped up in a guy that throws around his body. Like he really does. And I'm not saying he's reckless. I'm saying he's fearless. I'm saying he doesn't care. He wants to punish you. He's violent. He's aggressive. And there's kind of a theme that George Payton's been building through this draft because uh, Sertan, not necessarily violent, but he's certainly a, a tough player to be sure. Javante Williams, the running back's violent. Yes. Quinn Miners is violent. I can't wait to talk to you about Quinn Miners. Me uh, either. That dude's amazing. <laughs> Baron Browning's violent. Jamar Johnson's violent. Uh, I think Jonathan Cooper at the end of the draft, he's violent. He's a violent player. So you get like this toughness. They're going to kick the crap out of you. They're going to kick your ass on offense with that ground game. And then they're going to kick your ass on defense. Johnson is perfect to learn from Jackson. So I like you want Kareem to retire a Bronco. If he doesn't, the guy that you can groom, the guy that can like take over that mantle could be Johnson. And I mean, everyone focuses on his ball hawking ability. I focus on his aggression because the ball hawking is like a plus for a safety, as you know, like, hey, he can catch too. Yeah, that's fine. He also can intimidate you all the time. And that that's what Denver has really been lacking, in my opinion, is, yep. look, the, the defense has been good. No one's been scared of them. But has it been as advertised? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Vic Fangio's here. They're going to be great. And they're they're okay. You know? Well, I, I, look, I, there's a couple of things defensively, and I'll bounce this off you. I've talked about this in the past on, on a bunch. Of, I talked to Stink about it two weeks ago. 
the lack of the diversification with the personnel that Vic Fangio has on defense, it drives me absolutely up a wall. I never see bare fronts. I never see Bradley Chubb in a three technique with Von Miller outside of them. Right. I don't see multiple Mike Will cross blitzes. I don't see green dogs. I don't see safeties coming from – you can walk Simmons into the box. How about we bring the other guy in reverse drop? I don't see a lot of corner stack zone blitzes and drops. I'm not saying he has to do all that to be successful – I am saying that when you just play shell coverage and say get home with four every time, that's pretty fucking easy to figure out with good players in the NFL. So right. with all this defensive personnel, before we jump into the offensive guys they drafted and Pat Schumer and that disaster, that don't, do, do you agree with that, that they, he's got to figure out a way to not just look at what he has and go, oh, we're pretty good from a personnel perspective. Isn't it his job to like put them in position to be aggressive and be the number one defense in football? Like they're on paper looking like they can be right. Because that's how he was sold basically right to the fan base and everyone would take anybody after Vance Joseph in that debacle. But to, you know, Vic Fangio comes here and like, they're going to have the greatest defense and orange crush. And like, they've been okay. Then, you know, then defense has been great. And when they've been aggressive, Matt, you know, this, what have they done? They've blitzed something that Vic Fangio doesn't want to do. Right, he doesn't want to send extra bodies, but he's kind of had to because his way was not working. So at least he broke in that mindset of like, hey, it's not working, keep doing it. Like, no, he had to change that, but now you add talent. It doesn't mean you can go back and rest on your laurels and just make sure that you, you know, tackle and wrap up underneath. No, get after the quarterback. That's how it is. Look at Tampa. And and for the love of God, please, everybody out there, stop saying that was a Vic Fangio game plan in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that was Todd Bowles all day, yep. and he did it with four. That's fine, but he made sure that quarterback, who's a pretty good one, was uncomfortable all day. Vic Fangio can do that now, especially with you know uh, upgraded assets on the defense. All right, so let's jump into this offensive draft. And the great Cecil Lammy joins us here in episode 111. You can hear him on the fan breaking down the draft and breaking down the Broncos all the time. Um, Javante Williams in the second round, moving up to get him. Look, I was butthurt when they cut my boy Phil Lindsay. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I felt like Phil would be an asset to this team, but I under look, if Pat Schumer is going to run the football, if he's not going to go 65 45 pass, if he's going to go 60-40 run and protect his young quarterback that doesn't know how to identify under fronts and what a mic point really is and where the squeeze gap is and shit like that. Right. You know, day one shit. So if, if Locke isn't going to know anything and they don't run the football, it's a recipe for disaster like we've seen. Is the, getting rid of Phil and then drafting the, the guard in the third round who's a monster – is that an indication that they are going to line up and hand the ball to Melvin Gordon and then get Williams ready behind him and maybe get Freeman, who's a big-ass son bitch, some, some run? And really just now trading Andy Janovich two years ago seems like the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Like, why do they keep flip-flopping what they do? I thought these were veteran coaches. Yeah, I thought they were veteran coaches. And, well, it's Pat Shermer, so you're kind of working with what you got. Right. I think Rich Gangarello, who was telling Drew Locke what to do in his headset, 
And thank God, Matt, that you tell the truth about Drew. And nobody should be like, Drew's terrible. He's the worst ever. But we also shouldn't be making excuses for what he does on the field. And I see too many fans out there. And they'll watch a clip on YouTube. And they'll be like, see, he could do it. I'm like, oh, my God. He threw he's... four touchdowns against the Panthers, bro. Hey, like, Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those world-class Panthers, right? They got so many Super Bowl rings there. God, and the dude. thing is, is, like, you have to cover him up. You do. Maybe he can get better. And he's working with Peyton. Finally, he's working on the mental side of his game. Finally, like his footwork's still awful. Like there's still so many things to work on. So what do you got to do? You got to cover him up. Now, not only is it that and working with your young quarterback, it also is don't ruin this defense. And you know this, Matt, better than anybody that if you can keep your defense fresh, those dogs can hunt. They can go out there and fight. And if you're out there going three and out because your quarterback doesn't get it or you're not committed to the football or you can't run the football, then what good does that do your defense? You want to throttle these guys. They want to kick their ass on offense. They want to kick their ass on defense. Defense check. They can do that. I think everyone's thinking top five defense on paper, maybe number one in the league. They better be ruin it. You will ruin it if you don't run the ball. And I know that's a throwback or whatever, but you can't go out there and fill the air with footballs. Sorry. One, you have Pat Shermer. Two, you have Drew Locke. Most likely as your starter right now as we sit here, maybe Aaron Rodgers. But Javante Williams, 75 broken tackles, 72 of his carries went for first downs. He punishes people. He's got a stiff arm like Eddie George. I know some people have brought up a negative that he worked in a committee. The entire league works in a committee. And by the way, whereas Najee Harris had over 800 touches, you see what Javante Williams had just a little over 400 touches in college. So he's not worn down, you know? So when Ricky Williams came out, what do you have like 2000 touches or whatever? Like every play running backs. And I always love, you can always tell Matt, because in addition to metal and football, I love cars and comic books but like me, when, me guys too. That, when guys that don't know cars i heard mike cliss and mike is a friend so i just say this as a joke but i heard mike's talk about like yeah those tread those tires they don't have much tread it's what you want i was like what <laughs> wait a second not no, what you want no. <laughs> running backs are like tires they only have so much tread so the more tread you can have the better it's and it's better for javante <laughs> williams who runs with violence and aggression Quinn Miner's game is all about violence and aggression. He just wants to push guys around. I mean, uh, I'll say this very lovingly. He's a Mac McChesney wet dream. Thank you, brother. Quinn Miner's is. That's what he is, dude. He wants to punish you, kick people's ass. He broke his hand at the senior bowl and still stayed out there and snapped. He learned to be a center snapping to a garbage can. He played 29 games all at left guard. He never played center, but he played center at the senior bowl. and He looked pretty damn good against first and second rounders. He looked good. And look, Quinn, Javante is a hell of a talent. You got to yeah. give him the rock in order for it to work. So I, I am an, I'm, I'm of the old school mentality that I was born in the trench. I played defensive line my whole life, and then I played guard and center. So I want to smash mouth. I want to control the time of possession. I want to get the lead so my fucking defensive lineman can eat. That's what I want. I don't really care about stats. I care about Ws. So. When I look at Williams, I love the pick. I like that they went up and got a huge physical back. Now, please, Pat, use him or get fired, one of the two. Yeah. I like the pick in the third round with Quinn. How do you say his last name? Mesner? Miners. 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 So I I follow Quinn on Instagram. He follows me back. We've already been in communication. Like, I'm right down the street, bro. I know you need to develop. So when he gets into town, we'll have that meeting. But I'm looking at Quinn like, number one, 
this allows Denver to, and I don't know Glasgow's uh, contract, but I know that it's too much. So it allows them, in my opinion, to get rid of his ass, start Austin Schlotman next year and, and play the tread off of him before he goes in free agency because he's only got a year left in his, in, on his deal, or whoever, Calvin Anderson, whoever you want to play a right guard, and keep this seat warm when this sumbitch develops into the player you want, and it could be day one. I talk to my guys all the time in here when they when they walk in. I'm like, look, you determine when I present you to a college coach. There's no time. You right. walk in, this big son bitch from Columbine walked in here the other day. Uh, his name's Trace Williams. He was kicking people's asses within 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, you're ready to get presented. And there's some guys that takes nine months. So if he walks into to UC Health and he's ready to play as a third-round pick, because that's a starter in the offensive line when they draft you there, and the, the mindset and the mentality of this team is the GB zone. And that's and the best curl I've ever eaten in my life. I, I'll put barbecue sauce on that shit. Keep doing oh, your yeah. thing, 72. Yeah. Praise to you, brother. My man, Dalton Reisner, who's been done to family since 16 years old. I know what he's bringing to the table. Cushenberry, who's a straight national championship prick who plays every down full bore. And he's figuring it out. He got better and better all year. You put big Quinn at right guard and let him pull and set the tone and just be the, the force of, a, uh, of attack on cutback and at the point of attack after that deuce double team by Bowles and Reisner. The right tackle is a huge problem for me because I hate Jawan James on a cellular level because, bro, you give me $60 million to play football and I'm playing with a broken neck. Like, that's just right. me. So right. I, I don't want that guy there, but if he is and he's healthy, that offensive line looks pretty damn good to me. And not only physical, but you brought this up with the defense, intimidating. That you look at that offense with the exception of Drew Locke, and we'll go full circle to A-Rod here in a minute. You look at the tight ends, they're big and athletic and can run. You look at the receivers, they're big and athletic, and they can hurt your ass down the field one-on-one. -on -one. They can run. They're, they're good players. Right. So, so right. They didn't even play last year. Offensive line is big, aggressive, and physical, and intimidating now that they got this monster from Whitewater, and he just <laughs> comes in here and can learn from guys who already figured it out and had to learn. And then you, you look in the backfield, and you've got Melvin Gordon, who's huge. Javante Williams, I think, will probably take Melvin's job at some point because I'd imagine he'll be gone after one year. Yeah, That's a huge offense, and if they can, if they can do what they need to do, I'm looking at that as like they're one fucking piece away from being really good. So give give me your give me your thoughts on Quinn real quick. Obviously, I gave mine, and then we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. Well, Quinn gives you the versatility in case of emergency something happens. Now, uh, you know Troy Rank said this morning that they're going to start him at center. You know that's where he'll be a backup to Cushenberry. That's fine. Again, he didn't play center. He played guard and he can do both. And with Cushenberry, Dalton's told me as the year went on, he got more aggressive. I've even yeah. asked Lloyd about that because as you know, coming out of LSU, what was the knock on Cush? He's not really, he's like smart. He's athletic. He's powerful. Yeah. He's not really mean. Well, you know, hanging around Dalton Reisner, maybe you learn how to be a little mean out there. Yes. And you've got to be mean in the trenches. And if, Dalton saying Kush got better at that in terms of being aggressive, being mean. I'm going to believe him. And I, you know, I give him a pass in year one. It's rookie. You're quarterback of the offensive line. Um, so, you know, let's not all abandon ship because they got Quinn Miners. I think Miners is 
a reserve center, but also a guard. And if you need to, James is hurt. James's feelings are hurt or whatever. Uh, <laughs> move Dalton Reisner over to right tackle. Put Miners in at left guard, right? You've got Natani Moody from last year as well. Um, you mentioned Schlotman, who I know other teams are high on. So he's just waiting to get his opportunity to get yep. paid, which we should all be. We should all root for all these guys to get paid. Because as you know, like the, the NFL is looking for ways to not pay you before they pay you. So let, yep. let guys get paid. If that's Schlotman and it's not here, so be it. But you've got now versatility. You've got moving chess pieces that you can move around in case of injuries or ineffectiveness. And I think that's really good for the Broncos to have. And that's where Miners comes in. Uh, everyone's going to love the training videos. I know him from what I saw at the Senior Bowl and kind of the reputation that he had. We've all seen those grainy footage. Yep. It's like the Zabruder film, right, of Wisconsin Whitewater. And it, it's fun, man. Watch him go out there, just throw guys around that look like DMAC. But, you know, like, okay, in the pros, <laughs> he's going to play l- much larger men, and he's still going to attack it the same way, just like he did at the Senior Bowl. He looked like if you swished helmets with him, right, put a Florida state helmet on and put it, put any other, he'd be, big, he'd be the first program. guard off the board. Yeah. And you'd be like, wow, that guy's a stud. You wouldn't have any idea that he was a division three prospect. Reminds me of Ali Marpet. When I saw Ali Marpet at the senior bowl, you rarely see division three guys at the senior bowl and, and Marpet. Um, he's that player. Quinn Miners has drawn some comparisons also to Ryan Jensen. That's so, my guy. You know, for me, I just love the pick and I love, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you when you face the Denver Broncos. That's the so, bottom line. So, look, man, it, it when when we're sitting here talking about the Cecil and you're bringing up, you know, a bunch of the guys that I've been working with forever, and I've, Jensen was my first client ever, and Schlotman's been here forever, and he's about to get paid, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Every time one of my guys gets paid, it makes me so happy for them, and you bring up Ali Marpet. I was just talking to Ryan yesterday about, so I have this, I have the lab down here. So we just sit around and watch tape all day and right. I'm sitting there evaluating the, the, I think the NFC title game or the Super Bowl, one of the two and Allie and uh, Jensen are just beating the shit out of people on ace blocks. <laughs> and it, it's, I'm, I'm texting back and forth with Ryan and I'm like, so you and Allie seem like you got your shit together here. I was like, is 64 just, just like, why do you guys isolate him all the time? He goes, we isolate them all the time because the ace blocks, We the coaches know that every time we get call an ace block, we're getting four yards of movement. So even if Chris Jones beat 64's ass the whole game, we're getting four yards of clip because the A-gap's getting seen. Right. So I take that back full circle to Cush. All I heard last year from Dalton is, you know, he's a rookie, he's figuring it out. And then I figured out in the middle of the year that Cush is actually the one making all the calls. So, like, Drew doesn't use the play clock. So Drew will walk up and be like, hey, uh, Omaha Hunt. And Kush will be up there like, hey, this guy's the mic, and we got to go Louie and shit. And, like, so if your rookie center's making all the calls, it's going to take a little bit of to, to figure out how to play at that speed. So right. I'm glad we both see that on tape. All right, let's go full circle here, brother. Last one. Last one we got for you here before we, we close up episode 111. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers comes to Denver. In my opinion, they're immediately – in the Super Bowl conversation and maybe the best one or two team in the AFC. This roster is fucking stacked. Yeah. Thoughts. They're the best team in the conference. Dare I say the best team in the league when you add Aaron Rodgers, and obviously has a lot to do with him. But as you mentioned, this roster is not no slouches. Right. And 
a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on PFF, but it is noteworthy when they rank them the number six roster in the league. Like that's with Drew Locke. And that's with their quarterback situation, which obviously needs a bunch of work. So the Broncos can come in and imagine no weaknesses. Because if Rodgers is here, they can do anything in the passing game. They've got the weapons to do that. They've got the tight end. they got the receivers. They have the offensive line. They'll have the running game. So imagine Rodgers building a 20-point lead, and then they just hand it off to Gordon and Javante. He makes and, everyone better. Uh, exactly. And he makes it easier. You want to get rid of Pat Shermer. Uh, have Aaron Rodgers come here, and he can be like Adam Gase and get to it. Hell, I was joking around with a buddy, uh, <laughs> my writing partner in Hollywood yesterday. I said, you know what? Um, Pat Shermer's probably going to get a head coaching job before Eric Bieniemy if Aaron Rodgers comes here. 100%. That's how it happens. And, you know, hey, he can go. Good for him. Go on. Aaron Rodgers makes everything easier for everybody because you know what you're going to get. Orlando said something very, very interesting to me. He said when Peyton showed up, it made practice um, harder but it made the physical part easier. The, the mental part was harder because you knew you can't be wrong or else Peyton's going to get mad at you. But the physical part was easier because you knew Peyton was getting rid of the ball. He was doing what he was supposed to. He was always putting you in the best spot. Like that's exactly what you get with Rodgers. Add in the fact that now you can recruit anybody who doesn't want to say, hey, Chubb's contract's up. Yeah, fine. You know, fifth year option, whatever. You always want to work before that. Yeah, hey. You want to come here? You want to stay here? Now Vaughn might be staying, you know what I mean? Instead of being gone next year. Like the possibilities are endless because you can build, take a little mini run. And, you know, for the people like, oh, you didn't find your guy and you have to get him in. I don't care. I've, I've zero cares given about that. If you can put yourself in a Super Bowl conversation, which you are immediately with Aaron Rodgers, that's all that matters. Go get that ring. Go get multiple rings with a guy like Aaron Rodgers because it's a disgrace. He's only got one Super Bowl. I it's agree. a disgrace. He's I one agree. of the best quarterbacks to ever play in this game. And I understand you've been playing during Brady, but you've also, and I say the same thing for Ben because Ben's got two in the first one. He didn't even know what he was doing when he got it. Like, you, what? These great quarterbacks, they only got one Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers. And that was 43. What are we up to? 55 now? Like 12 years ago, Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. That's wrong, man. Yeah, That's it's a discredit wrong. to the Packers, and, and I understand yes. why he wants out. Cecil Lammy, one question. Hmm. Yes or no? Is Aaron Rodgers a, a Denver Bronco the first day of training camp? Yes. Whoa! Goddamn right, son! God almighty! You want to talk about getting fucking pumped up, dog? That shit makes me happy. I, I think so, too. Oh, my fucking God. Uh Broncos country, I mean, I, look, man, if you really truly believe that, don't you? I can see your I face do. right now. You believe it, so do I. I do. Yep. All right, let's get you out of here on this. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Bronco, according to my man Cecil Lammy, right here on McChesney Unchained, and that makes me fucking excited. Another thing that makes me really excited is metal, okay? And we're both metalheads, so I had to ask this question. Mount Rushmore of rock, okay. bands or dudes, chicks, doesn't matter, roadies, groupies, don't give a fuck. Who are, who's your Mount Rushmore rock, brother? Okay, Mount Rushmore of rock. And, and again, I have different tastes than other people. I, commercial success really doesn't mean a whole lot to me if you're great. Like Anthrax has sold like 15 million records in their career, and they've been around since the early 80s, I think. Um, 
but and that pales in comparison to like one metallic album or whatever but anthrax if i just go to my go-to's like, who do I listen to when I'm pissed? Who do I listen to when I'm happy? <laughs> who do I listen to when I got to get in a different headspace, right? Anthrax is right there. Thrash metal. And they are New York City. They're not Bay Area. Like Testament or Death Angel. I wouldn't quite put Death Angel on the Mount Rushmore. Um, but Anthrax is there easily for me. Um, actually had, they had the first inter, interlacing of rap. And it wasn't Bring the Noise with Public Enemy. Everybody thinks that. They actually had a song before that with a, a New York city rap band that I can't remember the name right now, but anyway, so anthrax, they've always been innovative. They've always made like political statements with their music. And I know nobody wants to get political, but yeah, music has interlaced that anthrax has always been that um, to me. So they're my go-to. And I actually love John Bush when John Bush was with anthrax, not Joey Belladonna, which most people think like that's real anthrax. Like the anthrax with John Bush was, yeah, they got a little grungy in the one album because they kind of had to and they weren't wearing flannel, which is kind of dumb to see Scotty and run around in a flannel shirt. But anyway, um, I love Bush Thrax is what people call it. So Anthrax, no doubt, 100 percent in there. Uh, Testament, my God, I've loved them since the first time I heard like over the wall from Testament when I was a kid. Uh, I had my son when he was little, like one of the first words he could say was obey from Disciples of the Watch. <laughs> In testament because he'd listen to me when he was when he was like four years old and he didn't know anything and then he'd go obey when testament says that and chuck billy's, like i am fathering like a son of a bitch Woo! yeah yeah well chuck billy's i mean fought cancer and won man how can you not like love that metallica will be the thing but i like metallica when people thought metallica was like devil worshiping music so then when everybody else started like metallica i was like screw you guys i'm going home yeah when um, they cut so their hair off they went downhill yeah and you know they go mainstream and they sell out arenas whatever like i get it i actually like saint anger you know speaking of Good not song. popular takes i like the album just because it was they were back they were back to being metallic and it was raw and i don't know why they didn't fix lars snare drum right the whole snare drum through the whole thing's tinny uh but i actually like that entire album so and megadeth Nice. You know, um, Dave Mustaine from Alcoholic getting kicked out of Metallica. Imagine you partied so hard you got kicked out of Metallica. In That's the a hard partier right there, brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Dave Mustaine. And again, when they went commercial, then everyone's like, countdown to extinction. I'm like, oh, my God, listen to The Conjuring. The Conjuring I mean, is even my count, favorite. Countdown was even good, though. I mean, there, there's good. some fucking right. bangers on that album. Yeah, Countdown was good, but uh, I get mad because that's when everybody like, hey, I love Megadeth, that one song. I'm like, oh, God. That like, one song. Me. Right, it's me again. <laughs> that song. Like, I've been listening to Megadeth since Killing is my business, man. So um, that's that's my Mount Rushmore. It's, uh, you know, old school. It's metal, but that's what I love. And that's like, I don't really care that I don't, necessarily listen to new music new metal doesn't really do it for me i agree Although maybe I, I might run across a man once in a while actually really love coheed and cambria which is more progressive but they're also they every album except one is a comic book so like and they're a different listen they're not heavy but they're very good at what they do um they also follow me on twitter which i think is weird because they only follow awesome. like 400 people but i love it because i love coheed and cambria but like for me give me metal and I, I love all the studies that have shown like all the metal kids from the 80s and 90s grew up to be like great people. Oh, yeah. And we were supposed to be the bastards, right? We yeah. were the rebels. We were the, the hooligans. Um, so, yeah, give me metal all day.
Well, I'm gonna go uh, Tool because okay. Maynard and Tool. Yeah. Tool's its own. Tool's its own music. Pantera for Dimebag because I love Dimebag. He's my guy. R.I.P. Yep. Rage, and I'm talking like first album Rage. Zach De La Rocha really pissed the fuck off, screaming yeah. into the microphone. Right. And then, look, I'm from the barrier as well, and and Deftones has been my favorite since day one. And I, I mean, I, I saw the I saw the Deftones at the Fillmore down here when I was 15 years old, and I couldn't hear for three fucking days afterwards, <laughs> and it was incredible. So yeah. that that's my Mount Rushmore. That you're, I mean, goddamn, bro, we are melting faces on the Mount Rushmore rock here on McChesney Unchained. Cecil Lammy, thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. Keep doing what you do. You kick ass. Uh, how can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, just follow me at Cecil Lamb. If you can't spell it, I can't help you because I can't uh, spell you. it either. So, hey, touche, my friend. Episode 111 McChesney Unchained rolls. My man, Cecil Lamb, thank you so much for everything you do. Keep it up, brother. Rock on, man.